All right. Welcome, everyone, to the Sean Steele Law Firm podcast. We have a very, very exciting episode for you all today. Uh, I am joined, of course, by the one, the only, the legendary Sean Steele, as well as a mystery guest, a special mystery anonymous adjuster. Uh, this person is a active, practicing, currently employed adjuster for a insurance company that shall remain nameless, but you all have heard of it. Um, and, uh, and through this person's, uh, this person's career has taken a special um, effort to engage with uh, plaintiff's attorneys and uh, and, and where, where we're possible, her own clients. Um, and, and, and we have found uh, in our dealings with her that she is just one of the most reasonable, one of the kindest people, um, and we really appreciate that. And when we asked her to be a guest on our podcast, uh, she surprised us all by saying yes. Uh, so I want to give her a very warm welcome, uh, uh, anonymous adjuster. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me and for saying such nice things. That was amazing. I think that that's kind of step one to building this better relationship between those of us that really are a team. So I'm excited for today. Thanks for having me. Now, we need to point out it appears to be a female voice, but Alex using the trickery of, uh, of software. Uh, it's actually a, an older male's voice converted <laughs> into a younger female's voice. It's one of the largest insurance companies in the world. So we have to protect the anonymity because even if, and what I want is the truth. What I want is what is a what is a, an adjuster that's been in the field looking at chiropractic claims, thousands of them. Uh, what are some of the dumbest things that chiropractors do? What are the things that impress adjusters about chiropractors? And I don't even know exactly what the answers would be. That's the best part of it. So we're so she has to be a, a he, a person. <laughs> Uh, let's watch the pronouns. <laughs> <clears throat> has, to, has to be protected at all costs because this is very exciting to get inside the belly of the beast. Now, keep in mind, we're stuck with only 30 minutes. Um, we have a recording that Alex has set this up, so it's legitimately called an I, I, uh, a podcast. So it's going to be on our website, and you'll be able to refer to this uh, in, in the future. And, and hopefully... We've got ourselves a structure with lots of details that you're going to be learning. So I, I really welcome welcome aboard to whoever you are from wherever you're at. I assume that you're in the continental U.S., but you don't, need to, answer, you don't need to answer this. <laughs> Thank um, you, sir, for protecting me. I am excited to be here and have this conversation. I have advocated for chiropractors for most of my adult life, and I truly consider my chiropractors our primary care providers. I have five children. Mm -hmm. um, most of them don't know a pediatrician because our chiropractors have taken care of our family. And the, oh, my the, oh, my goodness. So, is, well, let me start off with the first question. Is what you just said a mainstream point of view among your colleagues? Absolutely not. And I think that that's one of the most interesting things that I see. One of the reasons I'm glad to be here today, because I am surrounded by colleagues who don't believe in chiropractic. Just the other day, we had a meeting on our team, um, all of the injury handlers that are experienced. And I had a teammate who was bringing to the table for a discussion, 
a seven-year-old soccer player who had AYSO involvement and the mom wanted compensation because she'd taken this child athlete to the chiropractor for more than six weeks. And they didn't want to accept any of the chiropractic because it was a child. And I found myself advocating for the child more than anyone. Why does, why does a tiny body not deserve to feel healthy and well? And it, it was a, a very lonely place that I stood. Um, and it, it's, it's always shocking to me that there are so few adjusters that have relationships with chiropractors that support um, advocacy instead of hacking bills because we don't think the person deserved it, right? I think you're bringing a tear to the eye of many of the people listening right now. Uh, that was very sweet of you. Uh, given our time constraints, I, I want to jump right into some practical tips and tricks for the for the people listening. And 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 what you just said, I think, gives us a great springboard, which is how, what could chiropractors be doing in their reporting, in their billing, use of CPT codes uh, to to help you in those rooms, right? When, when their case comes up for review and, and, and their, the different adjusters are talking about it, hopefully there's a, an advocate somewhere in the room or at least a sympathizer. What, what could they be doing to, to strengthen their, their case and, and give their, their advocate like you some, ad, ad, some uh, admonition, not admonition, uh, ammunition, excuse me, right. um, when they're in the room? How about if I answer that by telling you what the ideal chiropractic billing package would look like for, let's say, a 45-year-old female? Shall I? Is that okay? Of course. So it would, if it comes in and I get a demand, I, the first thing I do is I open up a treatment calendar. And it's important to mention this. In the first week after an accident, I am willing to accept that that person was in enough pain that they went to the chiropractor on Tuesday. Wednesday, and maybe even Friday in that week. And that first week, I'm, I'm open to that. But I also know chiropractic enough to know that it is standard of care to allow a day's delay between treatments. So the perfect chiropractic billing package has no back-to-back visits, not a single one. Everything is Monday, Wednesday, Friday. The perfect chiropractic billing package for the first week, I'm, just, you know, if there's five visits, I'll probably accept it if it was a bad accident, right? But week two through week four, I'm expecting Monday, Wednesday, Friday visits. And if the chiropractor has a good enough relationship and rapport, and it was a minor accident, I am expecting that by week six, I'm once a week. And by week eight, I have MMI noted in the file. Now, overbilling and things that I am required to reduce. Just today, I opened up a demand from a, a, an attorney, and the passenger in the claimant vehicle is a 16-year-old volleyball player, and she is considered a star athlete at her school. But the chiropractor tried to bill for neuromuscular re-education. Whoa, that's a good one. We all know that things like neuromuscular re-education and gait repatterning, those are codes that are used for a stroke victim or a TBI incident. I had a teenager in a minor loss. I am never going to consider that chiropractor's request for that neuromuscular re-education to be covered. I'm not going to look at hot and cold packs after the first two weeks because an effective chiropractor would have sold 
the patient a hot and cold pack to take home for continued care and won't continue billing me $25 for 15 minutes when they show up to be treated, right? Stop so those right are some, stop, stop, go. stop right there. This is golden. And, and I want to get each of these points. Sam Collins, who's a billing expert, talks about this neuromuscular re-education. It's a trap. You, you go into that trap, you're doing things that are way outside borderline on the oh, practice, but we're exactly. not done for these kind of cases. Stick to the fundamentals mm-hmm. and that's adjustments. That, uh, this okay. is, that's, that's dangerous territory. It stands out when you look at the codes and I'm curious, I, Alex, I know you got a zillion questions. When you, the first thing you look at, I, I'm assuming you look at the bill, you don't look at the report, you look at the bill because you, then you look at the CPT codes. Does that make sense? The first thing I look at is the dates of service and how many visits in that time period. And then I look at the calendar to see if there's back to back. And then I look at the bill. I very rarely scour soap notes, quite frankly, because I have a policy that if a chiropractor sends me a template or handwritten crappy soap notes that are taking me too long to understand that they did standard care and I'm going to bill based on their usual and customary reductions in their zip code, hands done. Wow. If you didn't send me soap notes worth reading, why are you going to require me to read sloppy handwritten crap that your assistant put in a template? It's worth nothing to me. If that person was really injured, worthy of a deep evaluation, mm-hmm. I'm looking for things like um, occipital neuralgia, which a chiropractor could put on that bill because that's something a chiropractor could find, right? Right. Occipital neuralgia is oftentimes a policy limits offer for me. Ooh. Right? Now, the the hot and cold packs is very interesting because I think they're usually medically and chiropractically indicated on a fresh injury. Uh, And I'd like to hear your reasoning why you don't think that's appropriate in the first two weeks because... Oh, Oh, no, you misunderstood me. I think it is appropriate in the first two weeks, but I think Uh an effective chiropractor will have ice packs for sale in his clinic. And on week two, he's going to say to the patient, do you want to pay $15 and take this ice pack home? Or do you want to have me bill your insurance $15 every time you come? Right. Or if they don't, they have them at CVS. So, so, okay. So, exactly. so, uh, so let's get back to, let's get back to what you're looking for. Cause I think you were on a roll there. I, I want to hear more about, okay. So you're looking for, you're looking for treatment arc. You're looking for not back-to-back billing. You're looking at, 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 uh, CPT code. Let me let me get a bit more detail and use my medical knowledge. If I have a lumbar area injury, I'm not going to question whether or not that chiropractor put some traction on for a few of those visits. If I have a cervical injury, I'm not going to question whether or not the chiropractor did a few more ultrasound uh, applications. I am a huge fan. My chiropractor has a tens unit. He has an ultrasounds unit. He has a, a hot cold laser. I purchased a laser from my chiropractor because I wanted that service at home. I know those things can be done. So that, that concept of providing the one-time use so I don't have to look for hot and cold packs because I'm never going to accept them after the first two weeks. Now, what about the argument? And I'm, this is an honest question. What about the argument that as a, as a modality to help the adjustment be more effective, that some heat or cold is appropriate as part of the uh, overall protocol, rather than waiting till they get home hours later, maybe at <clears> night <throat> before they go to sleep. That's also useful. But why, why can't you argue that for a modest charge, 
of having some heat applied before the adjustment or even after the adjustment, that is that strengthens the value of the adjustment. This is one of those things that I wish we could have a chiropractor give me feedback on because I'm going to ask you a question, both you and Alex okay. and, and the chiropractors that are with us. What is the difference or the, the medical differential between applying a hot and cold pack that I am required to question as a handler or using a TENS unit to help the muscles decompress before the adjustment, which I don't even look at. If I have a thoracic injury that I've got some radiculopathy and I see a chiropractor put the TENS unit on for 15, even 30 minutes, I'm not gonna question that. That was what he chose to do. And I would love to understand and learn more about the difference, the medical difference between the, the effectiveness of the TENS unit that as an adjuster, I don't question because it feels like an effective pre-adjustment modality and the hot and cold pack that I am required by company standards to question and reduce. Does that make sense? Totally makes sense. I want to, I want to talk. So, so one of the things we, pre we preach at our seminars is about these average daily fees. And <laughs> we talk a lot about that with our, with our chiropractors, because Sometimes their initial visits, and I know I have a question right now uh, asked by uh, Dr. Schember who, uh, about sort of the front, the first visit or the first couple of visits being much more expensive than later visits where they're not doing it quite as much. My, and, and so we sort of preach the like, hey, look, if the average daily fee, if you take that total bill and you divide it by the total number of visits, you end up with some, you know, hundred bucks a visit that that number is important to the adjuster, at less so the $300 initial visit where you did soft tissue, modality, mobilization, adjustment, exercise, all in one visit. But you, but you contrast that with the $50 visit from the, from the end of the you know, treatment cycle. Talk to me a little bit about that. Are you doing those calculations? Am I, are we right to tell chiropractors that as long as the overall average fee is, is reasonable? No. No, please stop doing that as an incorrect instruction to these Great. chiropractors who are looking to have their bills maximized. Okay. Don't ask them to do that. It makes way more sense to me to acknowledge that this chiropractor did a three area adjustment three times a week for the first three weeks. And I'm not going to question that if he keeps doing that three area adjustment and I've got clear notes on why I'm not going to question that. But don't try to tell me that that final visit was as extensive and that I should average it because that is not how chiropractic care works. I look for the notes in the soak notes. I look for the pain levels. Patient presented with cervical pain, radiculopathy down the right arm, pain is at eight out of 10 today. And then six weeks later, I look and I see that note. I find it that says, maximum medical improvement noted today. Patient's pain is consistently less than two out of 10, only taking over-the-counter medication for inflammation one to two times a week, headaches resolved. So I don't look for an average and that's not how any adjuster does it. We're well, looking for the decline of intensity and treatment, right? Well, I, I, I wonder, and I, this is not to, to, to say anything opposite of what you just said, but I, I wonder... I hear a lot from adjusters, you know, you've got 30 <laughs> visits and they charged $5,000, you know, and that's the end of the analysis. They'll just say those things to me. 
and they'll say as evidence that this bill is too high and the, the chiropractor billed too much. And so what I am left wondering is, well, okay, if those are the things that this, this adjuster found to be important, then clearly what they've done either on paper or in their head is an average. They've divided the number of treatments by the amount of the bill and decided that that's too much money. And, and they're not talking to me about, well, this, this number of modalities, this number of adjustments, this pain level, they're telling me just it's too high. We got an $8,000 bill and 40 visits. That's not, you know, counsel, this, this is clearly unreasonable. And, and that's, that's where I'm getting a lot. They are pointing out what is industry standard. There are two terms we use for reduction of all medical bills, not just chiropractic. Those two insurance terms are reasonable and necessary, usual and customary. Right. You are discussing usual and customary reductions and assumptions. I'm not going to let a chiropractor who the, the guy four doors down charges $80 a visit. I'm not going to accept 180 for the second guy because his zip code dictates that I can regulate what he can charge, right? right. Usual and customary reduction. Okay. And so, so, you're, so you're saying that that, that, that the, the number of visits and the, the, the cost per visit on average is, is, is less important than really just the, the individual. That is what I'm saying. I have in my career worked for two of the largest insurance companies in the country. And, you know, I really, I want to make this valuable. And part of that, and the reason I wanted to be anonymous is I wanted to be able to speak freely. Yeah. Um, large insurance companies, you know, I don't want to disclose secrets. I want to educate my partners in resolving these claims. These chiropractors work hard to help the claimants feel better so I can resolve this with their attorney, right? They're part of the team. So what we have to acknowledge is as we address the entire claim, you have to be aware that if you overbill, you're going to feel like you didn't get paid enough. But if you bill correctly, and we have that conversation about usual and customer, customary, then you're going to see more back to you. But every major insurance company, by way of full disclosure, has a software. It's a different acronym for each large company. But these softwares evaluate third-party claims. Recently, for the company that I currently work for, we started using one of these vendors to call our chiropractors. This, the process is this. I get a demand in. I see that I've got $5,000 in chiropractic. I send it immediately to my vendor. The vendor calls the chiropractor and says, we see the amount you billed. Are you willing to accept 3,000 of that 5,800? The chiropractor wants to get paid so bad that he agrees to our vendor and my vendor sends me a lien for $3,000. I pay the chiropractor directly. Yep. And then when I call the attorney, the I say to the attorney, listen, the chiropractor bill is already paid. So we're just going to talk about pain and suffering today. And when chiropractors and law firms don't know that that is the practice on this side, that's when the, the enraged behavior starts because you feel like we undercut and you feel like we're sneaky. And that's when the the miscommunications and the hurtful feelings begin between legal professionals, insurance professionals, and medical professionals. Yep. You, you nailed that. We, we've been, we've been lecturing about this for quite some time and, and we, you know, I'm not sure that this is going to come as a shock to you, but we tell the chiropractors don't do that. Don't, don't wait. We promise we'll, we'll get you, we'll take care of you. Don't, 
cut our legs out from underneath us uh, because for two reasons. One, you cut our legs out from underneath us and then you leave us in these situations where we can only talk to adjusters about pain and suffering. But two, they, they keep a record of what you've been willing to reduce your bill down to so that when they hit you on the next one, they're going to call and go, well, we know, we already know what you're willing to do. The, the term is the precedent has been set. You accepted $3,000 for approximately 5,800. How about we do 2,900 on this one? Right? right. Right. And then every single small cut makes our chiropractors feel less and less a viable, valuable part of this team. Right. Well, and to be fair, you're not just doing it to chiropractors. No, 100%. No. This, 100%. Is, a, this, this is a revelation. This is a, a very valuable nugget with only eight minutes left. Uh, but the doctors that are willing to take a 50% reduction of their fees are saying several things. One, their bill really wasn't legitimate. It's almost an admission of fraud, in my view. Uh, they're charging this much and they're willing to take this much on a regular, consistent basis. And secondly, uh, they're disenfranchising their, their, their patient. I mean, they're, there's, and thirdly, they, they got a stigma and a reputation. Now, you mentioned software. Uh, what we call it in our seminars, what, is, what has been called 25 years ago, Colossus, and then it's mutants. And, and you have artificial intelligence, I believe, at your company that helps determine what the company and the, and the uh, artificial intelligence thinks that the true value ought to be with many, many hundreds, if not thousands of components. Is that essentially a fair statement about the, the software? I'm going to offer, I'm going to offer a correction of terminology. Okay. We refer to it as thinking software because so much, our, so much our in, right. Our input creates the next output, right? Right. Okay. But I, I'd like to, I, and I, I know this is delicate, so I want you to tell us as much as you're comfortable telling us, but I certainly would, I think the, I think it would benefit everyone to know what this software thinks is worthwhile and what it doesn't think is worthwhile or, or what it thinks is valuable and what it doesn't think is very valuable because we're doing a lot of guess and Good check question. on our side of the equation. Okay, so let me answer that with a couple points. One, the software doesn't create the output. The software evaluates the input, right? So it doesn't say whether or not it's worth the injury. It does things like checking for duplicate billing, checking for unbundling, checking for rebundling when we build as an unbundling, things like that. It checks for discrepancies. Just today, I evaluated uh, an emergency room fee and there I, I looked at it and I thought, that's really odd. I know I'm going to have a radiology fee. I know I'm going to have a facility fee, but I had three physicians fees and I couldn't figure out what it was. So I went deeper and I started looking at codes and this particular file had a level four trauma code and a level three trauma code. I'm not going to accept both of those. Right. But when, when we get, many, when let me we, ask you, Anonymous, how many adjusters, and this is a personal opinion, actually study the billing codes like you do? Clearly, you're immersed in it. You know what the codes imply on a medical, on an emergency, and on a chiropractic level. My guess is most adjusters aren't familiar with this kind of detail and what, what billing codes really actually mean, what kind of services are actually provided. Am I right or wrong? I'll answer that by saying I've seen an evolution in the insurance world in the last three years specifically. When I started, 
Uh, my master's degree was acknowledged. My history in medicine was acknowledged. My background in med and legal services was acknowledged. And they agreed to teach me insurance as a new person that had been formerly an educator. So I find now that the people who are hired to the insurance industry are, and I want to say this delicately, my new colleagues are retired teachers and they are part of the great uh, retirement that we have seen. They, you know, everybody kind of walked away from a job because they had enough in, to bridge them for a couple months. And the people that I am working with now do not have the thorough in-depth training that a longer term handler were ha would have because insurance is a brand new language to them. So, and we're running low on time. So I just wanna, I, I wanna get this last point across and then we'll have to call it for the day and maybe we'll be able to bring you back on the podcast. Hey. In the future, I certainly hope we can. But the last thing I wanted on that on that point of uh, we like like I said, what we call colossus on our side. When when I'm talking to an adjuster and they tell me that they have the case evaluated at sixteen thousand four hundred ninety two dollars and twelve cents, they didn't come up with that number. Like that that yeah. was a computer came up with that number. Some Correct. A computer that took a lot of inputs from a lot of different data points based on a billion factors and a bunch of other cases that it's, it's reviewed and spit out, this is what we think the risk is worth to pay down to zero is how I look at it. Uh, Cause mm -hmm. that's what insurance companies do. What, and, and this, is, this will be our last question. What would you tell chiropractors in terms of ways in which they can optimize, ways in which they can increase the odds that their lien is paid? Cause like you said, they're doing they're doing the work. Most, I mean, most, most chiropractors, they're working their butts off. I've been to over a hundred chiropractors offices. I've never met a lazy one. I mean, they're working. Oh no. So, and, and they just want to, and, and a lot of them in the PI game, they just, they really struggle to get their bills paid and to figure out what the key to that mysterious combination lock is to get it paid. So in closing here, what, what would you tell them is, is some of the, is a secret or, or, a, or a, a takeaway? Be precise. Be precise in the reason you put a code or a phrase. Don't just write what the last template encouraged you to. There are adjusters, to Sean's point, there are adjusters that will look, maybe, maybe only 30% this year, but there are adjusters that will look for that. And when they are integral with their communication, and I can look at soap notes and understand why the chiropractor billed $6,800 when I feel like it's probably only worth $3,000. If there is clear notes and I can see things like radiculopathy, if there is a radicular complaint and that chiropractor worked to resolve it instead of just booting the patient off to pain management or ortho for an ESI, I know the heart of that claimant. And I am going to accept that, but only if the chiropractor tells me why. That's Alex, this has been stunning. I, incredibly I'm, insightful. Yeah, there, I, we really must have you back, please. In a I am willing to come back. Invite me back and I'll show up. <laughs> and we've got, we have, uh, we have one of the biggest turnouts on our Zoom call I've ever seen. And it's actually grown. A lot of times people drop off, you know, because it's a half an hour, it's lunchtime, people are busy. But I think the word of mouth is getting around. And uh, this, is, uh, this has been very exciting. We've only covered just 
you know, close to 6% of what I'm interested in asking you. And, uh, but I, I like the clarity. I like the fact that you really understand chiropractic, unlike most human beings, particularly adjusters, particularly lawyers. Most lawyers don't understand chiropractic. And you understand billing and coding. Uh, that could make you a very good friend or a formidable opponent. <laughs> either either way but I i've been both on different days for sean on multiple occasions i am honored that you have thought what i have had to say is valuable and i want you to know that my purpose of doing this and and my desire to come back stem from the fact that my goal is to create less animosity and more open communication between teams of people who are recovering injured parties. That is our job. And if we can't communicate openly and tell each other the truth, then we are never going to be able to do the best for these people that have trusted us to be their advocates and their allies. Alex, let us know how to find this. Uh, information. I, 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 she rendered me speechless. I, I yeah. it sounded like she. It sounded like one of us wrote that. That's an incredible. <laughs> I'm I'm married to a professional legal writer and a paralegal, so maybe that helps. Yeah, it does help. I want to thank you so sincerely for being here on behalf of all of the uh, the attendees and the people who will hear it later. Um, to anybody who's listening, it can be found on iTunes and Audible and anywhere else you download your podcast podcasts from. It can be found, the video from this can be found on YouTube. Uh, it usually takes about a day for us to get it up there. Um, and uh, yeah, I just want to- Don't we have a website, Alex? Seansteel.com. That's not generally where we post any of this, but you can get to it from there. So seansteel.com. If you have a question for either any of us, uh, Alexander Eisner at seansteel.com or seansteel at seansteel.com, you can send an email to either one of us and ask us a question directly. I know there were a bunch of questions asked during this that we didn't get a chance to follow up on. Um, but Madam Adjuster, thank you so much, so much for being here. Uh, and we will catch you on the next one. It was my honor and privilege. Thank you so much. Everybody stay safe and be well. Bye-bye. Thank you.